The following program is underwritten in part by Schmidt's Naturals. Smell seriously amazing and support animal conservation with Schmidt's special edition Lily of the Valley Natural Deodorant. Created in collaboration with the Jane Goodall Institute, 5% of each purchase goes to animals in the wild. Learn more and pick up your stick now at schmitz.com. The following program is also underwritten in part by... My dog Annie recently broke her leg. Thankfully, she's protected by Embrace Pet Insurance. Embrace offers one simple plan for unexpected accidents and illnesses. To learn more, visit EmbracePetInsurance.com. Policies underwritten by a licensed insurer of American Modern Insurance Group. Coverage subject to policy terms and conditions. Celebrating the connection with our pets. This is Animal Radio, featuring veterinarian Dr. Debbie White, groomer Joey Villani, news director Lori Brooks. And now, from the Red Barn Studios, here are your hosts, Hal Abrams and Judy Francis. And this is the show where we spoil your pets, or we help you spoil your pets, because we all spoil our pets. We love them a lot. They'll get all the uh, the good food. We'll take them for walks. Sometimes we'll put them in our little slings and walk them around like you do with Ladybug the Studio Stunt Dog. Or her little pink stroller. She does like that pink stroller. Do people look she at you, does. though, and think you're just kind of over the top? Well, if it's zipped up, they don't know that that's a dog in until they get closer. But <laughs> she loves it. She goes dancing around it and makes me put her in it. If you spoil <laughs> your pets, call us now. Toll free, 1-866-405-8405. To my right is Dr. Debbie answering your vet medical questions along with Joey Volani, the dog father. Straight ahead in the newsroom is Lori Brooks. She does our news here at Animal Radio. And then right now, screening your calls at 1-866-405-8405 is Miss Judy Francis. We call her St. Francis around here. <laughs> It's going to go to her head. Don't it, say that. It does. It does. <laughs> On today's show, we have Rocky Kanaka. I just like saying his name. Rocky Kanaka. Rocky That's a Kanaka. cool name. It is. A, he is, a, well, if you watch the CW, and I, frankly, I've cut my cord so I don't get the CW. He has a show called Hidden Heroes that he's on. He also does a YouTube series called Dogs Day Out, where he gets dogs adopted. The dogs that you would think that would never find a home. Aww. He gets them adopted and then takes them out for a day to wine them and dine them. <laughs> well, at least, you know, the way that you would wine and dine a dog. A dog, yes. Yeah, certainly. So he's on the show. Also, 18-year-old Tabitha Bell will be joining us. She has muscular dystrophy, and the doctor told her that she would have to be in a wheelchair by the time she got to high school. Uh, but she got a service dog when she was 12 years old. It changed her life. This service dog actually helps her navigate and maneuver around now without a wheelchair. Wow. And she's had such good success with this service dog that she's helping others with a nonprofit that she started to help those that can't afford service dogs to get one. And they're pretty pricey. They're about ten grand at least. Starting, yeah. Yes. I think they're more than that. So we'll get to talk to her in just a few minutes right here on Animal Radio. But first, we want to talk to you. One eight six six four zero five eight four zero five. Oh, they're all ringing. Eeny, meeny, miny, mo. This this one right here. Hi, Chester. How are you doing? All right. How are you? Very good. Where are you calling from today? I'm calling from New Jersey. Do not New Jersey. You know what? I could tell from your accent that you're a Jersey boy. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have the team here for you, Doctor Debbie, in, in particular for your call. What is uh, going on? Well, I have a cat that I rescued. He was homeless. And uh, every time he goes to eat, he scratches the floor. Okay. Meal. And I'm wondering why he does that. Does he do it at before he eats or after? Before he eats, 
he'll look at the food and he scratches the floor. Okay. And yeah. Then he'll eat. He'll scratch it for about maybe one or two minutes, and then he eats. But it's been going on for about ten years now. How and interesting. I, I don't know if he's just accustomed to it, but there's some. I mean, I've never. I've had cats in the past, but I've never seen that before. He scratches the floor, and if I put it yeah. in another room, he'll scratch the rug before he eats. So it's not just the kitchen. <laughs> Okay, yeah. Well, I mean, what you're describing isn't unusual, and it's it's very similar. Um, you know, cats, when they're in the litter box, they cover their waist. You know, that's okay. kind of a yeah, natural scratching that. behavior. So in this context, that kind of behavior really makes me think of cats when they are kittens. Um, in a situation where they're feeding when they're kittens, they actually need on the mama's breast area, and that helps okay. to stimulate yeah, milk, milk letdown. Yeah. Yeah, so this may be some remnant of that kind of um, needing behavior that helps, you know, kind of trigger him back and takes him back to that place when he was just a youngin. Um, I've had cats before, and I bought a lot of books. I've been to a lot of uh, veterinarians, and they have no idea why he does this. But it's just the strangest thing. Yeah, I would say that is the most likely thing. There are also cats that, in a slightly different context, that will scratch around their food bowl, and yeah. often it'll be like when there's still food in there, um, and okay. that's kind of more of a, a predatory behavior. So it's more like I'm hiding my food so nobody else comes to find it, even if they're not actually the bearing their food. Yeah, yeah. So that that's just one other kind of uh, thought that can cause this type of behavior. But if he's doing it and then he eats all his food and he walks yeah. away, um, then I'd say it's probably more just, you know, that kind of going back to that day when he was just a little kitten, a wee kitten. And it's just, it's a happy feeling. It's it's not a bad thing. It's just he's like, hey, yeah. yeah. Really I've never, I've, like I said, I've had other cats in the past and I've never seen this before. It's like his happy food dance. Think of it that way. (laughs) Well, awesome, Chester. Thank you so much. What a fun call. I love it. 1-866-405-8405. Well, this portion of Animal Radio is underwritten in part by Schmidt's Naturals. Smell seriously amazing. And support animal conservation with Schmidt's special edition Lily of the Valley Natural Deodorant. It was created in collaboration with the Jane Goodall Institute. 5% of each purchase supports animals in the wild. It's available now at Whole Foods Markets and Schmitz.com. Thank you so much, Schmitz, for underwriting Animal Radio. And let's go to Donald. Hey, Donald, how are you doing? All fine. Where are you calling from today? Reading, Pennsylvania. Well, thank you for listening in Reading. I have the entire Dream Team here for you. What's going on? I have a small puppy here. It's a a cross between a poodle. Uh, Well, it doesn't matter. I can't think of what the other one is. But anyhow, (laughs) it uh, eats... uh, Stool. Poop. Okay, yep. Poop eater, huh? Yes. Okay. Is it his own poop or other animals' poop? Both. Both. Okay. And um, and you said how old is the puppy? He's four months old. Four month old. Okay. So yeah, that it's you know kind of an instinctive thing that you know dogs learn um, basically because of the mama dog that's what they do um, in order to keep their den clean and tidy they actually you know ingest the urine and feces of all their newborns until a certain age until they can eliminate on their own so the problem is with some puppies and even adult dogs this behavior can kind of become more of a game and more of a fun thing to do so um, a couple things that I would definitely recommend you do one is you know anytime your puppy poops is obviously immediately you pick it up 
the second thing is to make sure you maintain control of your puppy when we're going outside to go potty. Um, do we go outside or are we indoor trained? Outside. Outside, okay. So, so say this is the scenario I would describe. So you take your dog outside, you accompany your dog outside to go potty preferably on a leash, and once we do the deed, we say, good boy, good boy, give a treat, a little reward, and then you take your puppy away. Um, I would not pick up the stool in the presence of the dog because then that just kind of brings more attention to that whole process. My girlfriend has has a couple cats, and he even goes in the cat box. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's the almond roca. They like that, or kitty roca, as we call it. <laughs> so, yeah, so so the big thing is that it's a pattern we need to break um, his access and um, that repetition of him doing it for his own stool. So, you know, you need to do this where you, you accompany him outside, um, pick up the poop, um, don't pick up poop in front of your dog. Um, there are some steps that we can do, be creative um, about um, trying to deter them to um, ingest stool. And, and there are different products, um, powders and chew tabs that help to impart a bad taste to their stool. So hopefully they won't ingest them. Well, well wait, wait, wait. Um, are those products given to the dog or are they put in the food? So that you feed to the animal whose poop is being ingested. So you would have to feed it to the cats. Well, to the cats and to the puppy, yeah. So it's something that in some households it may not be the best choice. Um, In my household, um, my dog had a problem with this, and I did a kind of a homemade uh, concoction of... of uh, Tabasco um, injected inside of fecal matter. And I would pick up all the poop in the yard, and I would take one little piece of poop kibble out there, and I inject it because, you know, I'm a veterinarian. I have syringes around. And I would inject Tabasco sauce inside the stool. You can't just put it on top, I will tell you, because they're smart. They know if there's something icky on top, I won't touch it. But you hide it inside. That's just plain mean. No, it isn't. It is. It's a. It's a harmless way to give a negative uh, feedback there. So, um, so it took a couple times, and that worked. And um, so, yeah, that that's how I cured it in my household. But in the meantime, I had to make sure she always was accompanied outside. Um, if my other dog went out potty, I had to like run after them, make sure the poop got picked up, so that the access wasn't there. Um, you know, for kitties inside, there's some. Uh, thoughts that I might have you consider. Um, one is I'm not you're normally a fan of a covered litter box, but that certainly is one way to help decrease access. But there's also you can have little privacy um, fences that you can make or you can purchase. Um, I made mine out of cardboard, just out of a large box and kind of cut little wavy patterns so that my cats could jump over it. Um, but my dogs could not easily access over it and get to the litter box. And that would be put just maybe about a foot and a half to two feet away from the litter box so the cats could get in. But it was one extra little layer of deterrent so that the um, dogs couldn't get into the the litter box. Um, But, yeah, so those would be things to to consider. But um, just know that... it is a normal behavior. It's disgusting. Um, it, yeah, and it does actually, you know, increase the potential for parasitic disease because once they're eating stool, you know, they can recycle and have more likeliness to ingest parasites. So, you know, want to make sure everyone is current on their deworming, both kitty and dog, so we don't have that happening. Okay. All right. Thank you very so much. So did I, did I freak you out on that whole Tabasco thing? You got that right. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, now, what works for me may not work for everybody. It's right. just um, Of course. I mean, you don't right. have all the answers. 
<laughs> but she's pretty damn close, I'll tell you that right now. Okay. You, you don't want to play Trivial Pursuit with this lady here. She has some answers for you now. If you want to talk to Dr. Debbie, the number's one 405 8405 Put those fat little fingers in the phone and dial one 405 8405 right now to talk to Dr. Debbie or Joey Volani. Well, this delectable serving of Animal Radio is brought to you by the grain-free Red Barn Naturals canned food for dogs and cats. Always made in the USA with natural, functional ingredients to support your pet's optimal health. You can learn more over at RedBarnInc.com. And thanks, Red Barn, for underwriting Animal Radio and our awesome new studio. You're listening to Animal Radio. Phones are open at 1-866-405-8405. If Ernest Hemingway was alive today, would he say this to you? Shakespeare, Mark Twain, Edgar Allan Poe, all great writers. And after reading your book, I simply must add you to the list. Wait, you don't have a book yet. So make a free call to Page Publishing. Their expert staff can help you turn your book idea into a real book, a masterpiece that could someday make the bestseller list in hard copy and digitally all across the world. Page Publishing can help you completely take your idea for a book, write it, and publish it. So if you want to join the ranks of some of the most famous authors in the world, call now for a free information kit. Turn your book idea into publishing gold. Make a free call right now to Page Publishing. 888-785-0618. That's 888-785-0618. Check out Animal Radio Highlights. All the good stuff without the blah, blah, blah. Browse on over to animalradio.pet. It is so easy to reach out to the Dream Team. Toll free, 1-866-405-8405. And you can also ask your questions from the free Animal Radio app for iPhone, Android, and BlackBerry. And uh, coming up in just a few minutes, we'll be talking to the dog father, Joey Villani. What do you have for us today? We're going to talk about the dangers of home grooming kits. Oh, I've seen those. I've seen Wall makes one, and they supposedly have uh, like everything you need to do a trim. Well, well you know what? I don't, I don't want to um, get everyone alarmed because there are safe ones, but the professional ones that they sell for home use could be a little dangerous. Okay, that on the way with Joey Volani, the dog father, in just a few minutes. Lori, what are you working on? Well, we lost a fashion designer recently, but we uh, may have another millionaire cat, even a billionaire cat in the world soon. <laughs> Uh, okay, that's on the way in just a few minutes. Let's go to the phones. Hi, Beverly. Hi. You know what? I have the whole team here for you. What's going on with your animals? Okay, um, my cat is about 11 years old, and she was diagnosed at the end of December with hyperthyroidism. Okay. Um, she was. She had been throwing up off and on for several months, and um, she was losing weight, but... I think she was losing weight because I was I had cut her food down pretty much to keep her slim. I thought it would make her healthier. <laughs> but uh, anyway, uh, she stopped eating altogether, and she was still throwing up. So I took her to the doctor at the end of uh, December. She, um, she had a full panel of blood work, and she was diagnosed with uh, the hyperthyroidism. Okay. And now she was put on the uh, Hills prescription diet. Uh, the doctor said that they took them 10 years to formulate that, and 
so I put her on it. She was on it on it for six weeks, and after that, she had another blood panel done. Her liver liver enzymes her liver enzyme enzymes were better. Everything was better. Oh, great, um, good. And was her thyroid level lower then as well? Yeah, originally it was up to nine point four. Holy cow, that was a big one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And after she had and after she had her second blood panel after the six weeks of the prescription diet, it was down to 2.1. Phenomenal. That's great. Yeah, the doctor said that was within range. Now, the only thing, she wants me to keep, my doctor wants me to keep her on this Hills prescription diet. She said there's nothing else out there for her. But reading the ingredients on this diet, I'm not really thrilled with it. The first, uh, the first ingredient is corn gluten meal. Okay. You know, so... It's not, I don't think it's a great food. I was wondering if there's anything else that you would recommend food-wise okay. for a cat so, with that. So this is really the only approved food out that can treat hyperthyroidism without the need of medication surgery okay. or irradiation. So when we kind of go back to this, you know, everyone nowadays is all hung up on ingredients and what's in food and gluten and this and that. This food can do some amazing things for okay. cats with this condition. So what I always kind of go back to is what are your goals in treating your cat's condition? If you don't ever want to have to worry about food and you want to feed what you want to, yeah, then we go to a different therapy. So those therapies may then be something you want to consider. Um, the great thing about the food that you're on is that, yeah, it can really work because it's mm-hmm. so low in iodine, but it's invalidated if you feed a treat um, or you feed canned food of another brand. Anything else dietary-wise that you give has normal levels of iodine, and we're really giving a super low level with this condition. Mm-hmm. So if you would say, hey, I'd like to see about the radioactive I-131 treatment, which is the gold standard for treatment for hyperthyroidism, um, yeah. it also tends to be quite expensive, usually yeah. upwards of a $1,500 bill. Mm-hmm. But it can be the thing that you treat them once and they don't need to be treated again. They may not ever need medications, just regular monitoring. So that may be something you consider if you, you're opposed to this food or any of the ideas about the food, that may be something you want to look at. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would say that it really depends. I have a family member who his cat has hyperthyroidism, and um, they started off with a medication, which is in a pill form, and that was going good for a while, and then that didn't go so well for a while. Um, but the, the medication has to be you know, lifelong if you're using a pill or a liquid. So um, that's just another way you could consider going. You know, If you don't want the food, you could go to that kind of follow-up and upkeep for the condition. So it, that's why I'm saying it's just really I would be – if you're, what is your greatest concern? The ingredients in this food, or is there a method of treatment that you you prefer more than the diet? Well, the diet is the least expensive. That's why we Absolutely. tried it first. Mm-hmm. But I'm, I've heard, I've actually heard on your show before that uh, there were um, vets that didn't really like the hills, the hills, um, what they put in their food. Yeah, and, you know, they recently had a food recall on some select diets. Mm-hmm. But I I can't say I have had a solid history um, using Hills products um, since okay. I've been in practice. It's not the only food I use, but um, one of my two dogs is on a Hills diet. So um, I have no, no qualms about that. And, you know, the, the challenge when we have therapeutic diets is that some of the rules 
are totally different about how we feed them versus just general pet feeding. So when we have a food like this, they really have to go through a lot of nutritional analysis to make sure it treats the condition that is in in, in reference to, um, mm-hmm. but that it also meets the other nutritional goals you know, for any patient so that they don't have nutritional deficiencies and so forth. So that may mean they have to pull on different ingredients than we would for the general public. So that's why I say, you know, therapeutic diets, I don't get so hung up on, you know, if there's a fact that there's some corn in there or there's, you know, milk or meat meal or something that, you know, in general pets, you might be more averse to. I I hope that helps you kind of reassure you on that. But if it's working for you and it's the cheapest option and it's, you know, then, you know, I hate to shake, rock the boat, I guess. (laughs) Okay, well, I appreciate uh, your feedback. Thank you so much for listening and calling today. Toll free is the number 1-866-405-8405. The Black Cloud Sound Dot AF1 headsets have a built-in FM receiver with dual dynamic drivers and customizable EQ and sound effect settings. They're capable of delivering beautiful sound. You can also tune directly to any FM radio station without internet access. Visit www.blacklood.com. Create your account and order Sound.AF1 by inputting the radio station coupon code Animal Radio to get the special 10% off discount. This is an Animal Radio News Update. I'm Lori Brooks. The travel industry is a huge business. In the U.S. alone, spending on travel hit a record $1,036 billion in 2017. But a big chunk of travel spending isn't for people. It's for their pets, right? It's estimated that 68% of U.S. households or about 85 million families have a pet in the U.S. And when those pet parents all hit the road, they can either take their pet with them or have someone else take care of the furry family member, either somebody coming to your house or at a boarding facility. Well, luckily, businesses are all over stepping up to meet this new big, huge demand. These include airlines that offer both in-cabin options for about 125 bucks each way for small dogs and cats, and the option of shipping pets in the cargo hold, which uh, prices there can range from about 50 to 500 bucks one way. Usually depends on the size of the animal. Over 2 million pets and other animals are transported by air every year in the U.S. However, there are some other options like Airbnb. They have pet friendly listings and lots of them and many hotels also allow pets and the traditional depressing kennel boarding situation has really gone upscale in many areas these days. So what do pet owners do when they can't or you know, maybe don't want to take their pet? Well, that's where pet resorts or these newer high-end kennels come in. One of the chains is called D-Pet Hotels. It's in Los Angeles. They've got a couple of other outlets in Hollywood, one in New York City, Austin, Texas, and Scottsdale, Arizona. They offer boarding and daycare, grooming, and even chauffeur and boutique services, kind of everything you could ever want for your fur child. For boarding, you can get a four-by-nine suite, which contains a regular dog bed, and it 
TV, which is, of course, tuned to Animal Planet. But, you know, I don't like that to have Animal Planet on for my animals when I'm not there because I'm afraid <laughs> that they will go through the TV, right? Um, <laughs> you can also, by the way, get this sensational suite. It's a 12 by 12 room for the dog uh, with a twin bed and a TV or their Uber suite has uh, 12 by 22, I believe. It's got a queen size bed in it and a 42 inch TV. I think that's about the size of my bedroom, queen size bed, TV, everything. (laughs) Pretty amazing. I went to their website. I looked up for prices and there weren't prices listed online, but I bet they are close to an arm and a leg. But also they offer a chauffeur who will come and pick up your dog for the stay at their hotel. And depending on what you order, you will pay for, but they will either come in a regular vehicle or a Ferrari, a Lamborghini, a Bentley, a Porsche, or a Rolls Royce. Oh boy. Yeah. Uh, Duke, the four-term ceremonial dog mayor of a town up in Minnesota, has gone to the Rainbow Bridge. He was a 13-year-old Great Pyrenees. Pretty good age for a dog that big. He made national headlines for being elected the dog mayor of Cormorant Village four times. He acted as the village's ambassador to the public, although Duke did have to retire last year because his health got bad. And you've probably heard that fashion designer Carl Lagerfeld has passed away. His cat, Chopette, is expected to inherit at least some of his fortune. Prior to his passing, the 85-year-old Lagerfeld told a French magazine that his cat is an heiress. Lagerfeld had an estimated net worth of up to $300 million. And uh, those who know him say his cat will likely inherit at least a portion of that. That's a lot of sardines. That's a cute cat, too. I'm sure she won't have anybody, uh, you know, not wanting to take care of her. I'm sure a lot of (laughs) close friends and family will be saying, I'll take the cat. I'm Lori Brooks. Get more breaking animal news anytime at AnimalRadio.com. This has been an Animal Radio News Update. Get more at AnimalRadio.com. Live at the Red Barn Studios, you're listening to Animal Radio. Here's Hal and Judy. What's up with Diesel? Diesel won't let me play with his squeaky toy anymore. Is it because I hog it too much? <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> to be honest, yes. Because you're always running around the office with it. Like I said, try it. Try it once. The dogs, they're on to this. They know... <laughs> Try putting the squeaky toy in your mouth and getting it to squeak and running around with it and see how your dog reacts to that. We're going back to the phones toll-free at 1-866-405-8405 for your calls in just a couple of seconds. But first, our next guest, you've seen him on CW's Hidden Heroes, and he has a YouTube series called Dogs Day Out. We welcome Rocky Kanaka to the show. Hi, Rocky. How are you doing? Oh, great. Hey, thanks for having me. So I got to say, I've cut my cable, so I don't get the CW. So I, <laughs> no worries. I, I have not seen the show on uh, the CW, but however, I do have YouTube and I've seen the Dogs Day Out series and it's phenomenal. Really great. Please tell listeners what it's all about. Oh, that's great. Thank you. Yeah. You know, Dogs Day Out is uh, a show I created so that I could be closer to the pet loving community. And it really is a simple premise. I, I grab a dog that is just down and out or as is at a shelter or rescue. I take them out on the best day I could possibly muster up for them. And, uh, and we do all that not only to give them the best day, but also to uh, try to raise enough awareness so that we can help that find that dog a home. 
So when you say you take them out, give them the best day, what is, what is that? Is that like hot dogs and bacon or what is that? <laughs> you know what? I, I like the way you think because that's, that's exactly what I do. I, I work to think like a dog. So so I think about what, what would a dog like? And, and, you know, one example is I had Herschel and he was a giant German shepherd and he had never seen the snow. So, so we went to the snow for the first time or uh, I had Wade, a little Frenchie that loved balls. And so we, we built a giant 20 foot, uh, 10,000 uh, ball ball pit so that he could jump in it and chase all the balls. Uh, so we do, we do fun things like that that are just over the top that dogs just really love. Now, you have also made this so the audience could participate. That's the neatest thing. So, so you know, I've got uh, a TV show. I've done TV shows before, Save Our Shelter on Netflix. And like you said, a Hidden Heroes on the CW. Uh, I've been able to be lucky to be a part of. But what I really love about having my show Dogs Day Out on YouTube and Facebook is the, this pet-loving community. They jump in and they get involved. They uh, A lot of the ideas I come up with are ideas from from the fans. They help share a lot of this content so we can work to get – these dogs adopted because you, you can't always donate. You can't always run to a shelter to save a dog, but it's really easy to hit that share button and you just never know who's going to see that. And, and that's going to be that dog's new family. It's a brand new world now. Yeah. Finding homes. It, yeah, it so, really is. It really is. How many dog day out episodes have you done so far? Oh, you know what? I, I lost track probably, probably about eight to 10 and we're, we're trying to do a, a lot more, but it, uh, it you know we really I really focus on giving that dog all the time and attention it sure. deserves until we find a home. How many of those dogs were adopted after that? Uh, you know what? Great news, all of them. Uh, one is we, we got to work with this dog, and uh, they needed to go to a sanctuary because they needed some extra love, care, and support. Uh, they were blind, having behavioral issues, but but I uh, all of them have been adopted, and then and then ones in a in a much better place now. Awesome. Well, how do you pick them? Because there are so many down and out <laughs> dogs. You can walk into any shelter in any city and see so many dogs that just need a home. Yeah, you know that that in fact is the uh, what keeps me up at night and the disheartening part is unfortunately there's an unlimited amount of choices to pick from and I haven't really figured that out. I I'm you know I'm a business guy at heart, um, but in this situation I really just kind of let my heart lead and and they they often find you. Um, one of the dogs, uh, Herschel, I had mentioned that he saw the snow for the first time. He had, he had been locked up in a backyard and just neglected for five years of his life. Jeez. When I got to him, you know, I, I work with a lot of dogs. And so I expect in these situations, they're going to have behavioral issues. They're not going to be trusting. It's going to take time. I don't just, I don't always just pick up a dog and run out. I, I'll take weeks or months to work with that dog sometimes. And with Herschel, I couldn't believe just how loving he was and, and and kind and just so happy even though he'd been mistreated for so long and so so i really took him and did a lot of first with him we went and saw the ocean for the first time we went and saw the snow for the first time and i just let him be a german shepherd and it was just so rewarding seeing his over-the-top reactions to all this because it, it was so much just coming at him that he'd never seen before and it was a real joy getting to be a part of that do you have any personal dogs i do i have uh, right now i have three uh, sometimes more if I'm fostering. Mm-hmm. That's kind of the that's kind of the pack right now at my house. So I I assume of those three might have been a foster failure or two. Yeah, that's I am the worst when I, when people leave me comments and say, "Oh, you should adopt him." I like it, try I ignore those comments as much as I can because otherwise I'd I'd go to jail for hoarding dogs. <laughs> okay, so what's the easiest way to check out Dogs Day Out? 
the easiest way is my channel, uh, Rocky Kanaka on YouTube or Facebook. Uh, just drop a note in the comments, say hello. I respond to as many of them as I can, and I, uh, it's really a fun community, and that's how you can find me. And how do you spell Kanaka for those listeners that uh, don't have it right in yeah. front of them? The, uh, yeah, it's K-A-N-A-K-A. And we'll put links to everything you've heard on today's show over at AnimalRadio.pet. Rocky, thanks so much for spending time with us today. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Well, this portion of Animal Radio is underwritten by Something Worth Saving. Cozy up with a furry friend in a great read, Something Worth Saving by Sandy Ward is a wonderfully touching and surprisingly funny story of a fiercely loyal cat named Lily and the unbreakable bond she shares with her human. Clever and observant, Lily knows that you don't have to be the biggest or the strongest to fight for the ones you love. You can find Something Worth Saving everywhere books are sold and learn more at sandywardbooks.com. Thanks, guys, for underwriting Animal Radio. If you've ever shared your home and heart with a charmingly naughty animal who's always up to mischief, you'll fall in love with MacGyver, the matchmaking klepto kitty in The Secret Life of Mac by Melinda Metz. Hilarious and heartwarming, this possum romantic comedy will have you laughing out loud as Mac, the thieving tabby, steals your heart. The Secret Life of Mac by Melinda Metz is on sale now everywhere books are sold. Visit kensingtonbooks.com for more info. Hi, this is Joy Behar on Animal Radio. Please spay and neuter your pets. Need a fix of the good stuff? Get more Animal Radio with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. It is once again time for Joey Bellani, the dog father here on Animal Radio. You can call him, speak to him, toll free at one 866 405-8405. How you doing today, sir? I'm good. They can call and speak me. I don't bite. You know? I mean, just, just my um, clients do. Not me. <laughs> his clients bite. Uh, not me. Good morning. Um, so, you know, I want to talk about um, something that's actually been irking me a little bit. And there was a home grooming kit. And um, a company had asked me if I would um, actually do an article on a home grooming kit. And I told them no, because I don't think anyone realizes um, what actually can happen um, in some of these home grooming kits. Um, you know, they sell clippers, they sell um, um, scissors, brushes, combs, and they have the, the, the general home ones, which are easy to use. But then you go into some of the stores, and they're using the same equipment that we are, and they're using professional clippers with detachable blades that anyone could buy. And to be honest with you, it's real easy to cause injury, excessive burning, or just cutting of the skin, and I want to explain that. So what a lot of people will do is they think they're going to um, save on um, grooming charges because they can go out and buy, you know, for $250, they could buy basically um, the main part of, of the grooming kit, and after using a couple of times, it's going to replace going to the professional groomer. What a lot of people don't understand, the things that we are trained to do, and what ends up happening is they cause major injury. Now, a detachable blade clipper, if you don't realize, and I've read directions, I've read, and nobody talks about it, that blade can get up to 150 degrees plus because of how it's moving exactly, how it's moving, and you have to pay attention to it. So if you don't use the cooling sprays and the oils, you're going to severely burn your pet. And depending on what type of blade you use, I'm talking about um, stitches, go to your professional groomer, have it done right, don't buy these grooming kits, because I'm going to tell you it's going to cost you a lot of money, not only for the product, but also in injury cost. 
You know, I think everybody thinks that they can just pick up a clipper and cut a dog. I mean, how hard can it be? And I was at a show one time, and they had a stuffed animal with clippers, and they let me try it. That's the first time I ever touched a clipper. Oh, my God. And the last time. And the last time. Was it the last time? Oh, that poor stuffed animal was just butchered. I can't imagine. It's a trained profession, guys. And and, and they sell these like they're nothing. And and it bothers me. So I wanted to talk about it because people spend money and then they cause injury. If you want to talk to the dog father right now, toll free at 1-866-405-8405. Hey, Mike, how are you doing? I am great. How are you guys today? Good. What's going on? Well, uh, about once a year or so, the wife and I tend to lose control of our Himalayan Blue Point cat's hair. It gets a little bit clumpy, and we end up having to go and get a lion's cut for it, trim it all the way down to the to the beginning again. But um, it's close to that time now, and we're wondering if there's anything that the master knows that we can do to try and unclump some of the clumps that we might be able to save having to trim them down. We'd rather leave them, you know, the way he's supposed to be, although he's very cute the other way. Well, Mike, first thing you want to do is is go in with a comb and just take the edge of the comb and lightly go underneath the matting, and you're going to work it out little by little by little, okay, just taking out small pieces. So it's almost as if you're going underneath the knot, and it's going to be, hmm, the best way to explain it is, is let's say I was carving something out with a knife, and I'm just doing it little by little. Well, you're going to do that with the back of the comb. And okay. cat fur actually doesn't hold like dog hair it's going to pull out a lot easier and what you'll do is you'll work it out until that mat basically comes off now unfortunately it's probably going to leave a little bit of a hole but it looks a hell of a lot better than doing a whole lion cut because usually once you start breaking it up it comes out easy and then it'll just release where most of the hair should stay but some of it's going to come away as you're doing this, you may want to spray the cat with a detangling spray that you can buy in any pet shop that's made specifically for cats. Now, what that's going to help do, it's going to help moisturize a little bit, help remove the, the, the fur a little bit more, okay. and, and work it out little by little. It's definitely a two-person process because if your cat doesn't like it, they're going to let you know. But you don't know want you. that to be... <laughs> You don't want that to be a situation where, you know what, they're taking you to the hospital because cat bites can really do that. So you want someone to hold the cat by the scruff of the neck, which is extremely important. If the cat is, you know, just doesn't like it, you know what, leave it to the professional because also you don't want it. You don't want to hurt the cat. But I find that better than any brush, any type of miracle spray. Use the back of that comb, get underneath that, that mat, and work it out little by little. And that's the best advice I can give you for that. Actually, that's great advice. I haven't tried that, and I'm at a pet store right now where I can buy some detangling stuff, so that's pretty convenient and good timing as well. Um, is there Make any chance sure. I could ask you also about dander on uh, a long-haired cat? Is that that spray that you mentioned might help condition it some? Is that the right thing to be there, too? Well, the conditioning spray would work. It depends on how severe. Sometimes it's a dietary problem. Other times it depends on the heat in your house. If you have forced hot air heat, a lot of times that will bring on dander, and that spray will work wonderful. Um, if it's not an arid type of, of you know area, whether it be in your house or outside, then it's probably dietary, and then you may want to you know try different foods or, or supplements in your kitty's food. Okay. Well, that's awesome. I'm so glad that uh, I got a chance to call in today. So. Thanks, Make Mike. sure, though, that the spray is made yeah. for cats. That's extremely made important. I can do that. Thanks for your call today, Mike. We appreciate right. it. one 405 8405 is the number to the Dream Team. Toll free. 
Well, this portion of Animal Radio is underwritten by Embrace Pet Insurance, providing nose-to-tail accident and illness coverage for your dog or cat. It can be customized to fit your budget needs. Simply take your dog or cat to any vet, submit a claim form, and get reimbursed quickly. You can learn more over at EmbracePetInsurance.com to get a quote. And thanks, Embrace, for underwriting Animal Radio. You're listening to Animal Radio. Phones are open at 1-866-405-8405. This is Joyce Dewitt on Animal Radio. Please spay and neuter your animals. Thank you. Do you travel with your dog? Of course. My pets are part of our family. Me too. I take Daisy with me everywhere. Right, Daisy? So how do you find out what hotels welcome your dog? I read Fido Friendly, the travel and lifestyle magazine for you and your dog. Sounds perfect for planning our next vacation. Right, Daisy? It is. Their motto is leave no dog behind. And they have great hotel and destination reviews. Where can I find the magazine? Go online to FidoFriendly.com. I will for sure. Come on, Daisy. We're off to find our next adventure. Celebrating the connection with our pets, this is Animal Radio, featuring veterinarian Dr. Debbie White, groomer Joey Villani, news director Lori Brooks. And now, from the Red Barn Studios, here are your hosts, Hal Abrams and Judy Francis. And we continue the celebration of our animals. Call us. Celebrate your animal, 1-866-405-8405. Now, you can call asking a question for Dr. Debbie. And as I've mentioned before, if you're new to animal radio, she practices in Las Vegas. You see a lot of animals in Las Vegas. You see birds, you see pigs, you see, didn't you see? Exotics, yeah. You even saw a flamingo. Yeah, and you've always joked about treating your pet flamingo and you giggle about it until we started getting flamingos coming into my office. And now you're like, oh, now you got to find something else kind of out there. Um, Uh. So I guess the point is is that Dr. Debbie is pretty well versed. So even if you have a flamingo question, she can uh, probably answer that right now. One eight six six four zero five eight four zero five to talk to her or to Joey Villani, the dog father, who yeah. may be able to groom a flamingo. You know, I was going to say hippopotamus, but I don't want to jinx it. I don't want a bunch of hippo- yeah. hippos going into the office, Debbie. Can you imagine that? Thank you. Yes. Thank you. Yeah, it would probably not fit through my doors in my office. So, <laughs> I wouldn't want to be the intern that would have to clean up after that. That's for sure. <laughs> this hour, we're going to talk to Tabitha Bell. She has muscular dystrophy. She's 18 years old. And she was told that uh, by the time she was 12 years old, she would need a wheelchair. Instead of a wheelchair, she decided on a service dog. And that has changed her life. And she'll tell us the story about that service dog coming up on today's show, as well as tell us about the business that she started to help other people get service dogs. Wow. She's another one of those amazing youngsters. Yes, she is. She uh, just won an award, the Gloria Barron Prize for Young Heroes. Yay. Uh, I'm glad there are, there are a few great young heroes. They are our future. Who said that? Whitney Houston. <laughs> one 405 We'll hit the phones in just a couple of seconds. What are you working on for this hour, Lori? Well, um, how much exercise is enough exercise for your dog? Because a lot of people apparently don't know because they're not getting enough. So we'll tell you. We'll fill you in, and then you can decide, is your dog getting enough exercise? Well, I haven't been able to exercise my dog this last week because of the weather. Ah, uh, you are so Now, <laughs> we'll have to see, because I know dogs, like, you know, w- walked in the snow, in the sleet. They it, still it's get been out. really cold. I'll tell you, it's near 60 here. Uh, yeah. <laughs> have you seen Have you seen Ladybug? I mean, come on. 
She'd get okay. lost in a snow Both drift. of you, stop. You can put a sweater on your dog and a coat on yourself, and you can truck out in 60 degrees, maybe even 45 degrees. You could probably do it. Okay, what she says. Uh, let's go to line four. Hey, Oscar, how you doing? You know what? I'm doing good. A little frustrated with this beautiful little chihuahua, little oh. deer head. Uh, five-pound chihuahua that I rescued just just about four years ago, and she loves me, and I love her. She won't get me out of her out of her sight. <laughs> you know, I've had her I've had her now going on five, five and a half, four and a half. Excuse me, she's about seven years old, seven and a half maybe. She uh, never had put a leash on her. She just loves to follow me around, and I follow her around, just go sniffing and pooping here and there. But I'm having a terrible time with her food. What's going on? Okay, I've, how how so? Well, I've I've tried so many different things. I'm getting frustrated. And uh, I don't know what to do, so I'm, pe- I'm feeding her now. What I've been doing is buying fresh chicken and cooking it myself, and then she likes it one day, doesn't like it the next day. Mm, okay. So I even got some of those breakfast steaks, the ones that are the ones that are you know uh, uh, tenderized. I cook those really well, and and she'll love it one day, and the next day kind of sniff it mm, and say, no, I don't okay. want that. Okay. And, and, and has she been uh, eating this way like since you've had her, or is this something more recent? You know what? It's kind of been more recent in the past seven, eight months. Uh, but before that, okay. she was eating really well. I used to feed her that uh, neutral. I tried freshness, wellness, and all those other ones, too. She didn't like those too well. But she, she leans more towards beef. Mm-hmm. I even got on the Internet one time, and I got uh, a Dr. Mandy. You familiar with him, that veterinarian? Not, I don't, I'm not sure who that is. Well, uh, Dr. Mandy, he's, uh, he's advertising the uh, dry uh, dog food that you... Uh, mm. He claims he did a lot of research. He's been he's been a vet for what thirty years, uh, but anyway, he uh, he says that most dogs when they're when they were in the wild, they used to go when they had a kill to eat. Of course, you know, uh, the wild dogs would always go for the organ meat, the hearts and the liver, because they seem to know it gives them more energy. So he's put that's the only kind of meat he's put into his his, uh, okay. his formula. All righty. Well, I'm gonna well, I'm gonna kind of stop you. I'm going to stop you there, Oscar, because um, as far as, um, I guess, going back to kind of the original concern you have is that if we have a dog, especially a small dog that's not always had a problem of being a picky eater, but it's a more recent concern, yeah. to me that says I need to look at your individual pet. Um, there are certainly fussy eaters that we create by the way we feed and the drama that we create around mealtime, um, but that tends to be a dog that kind of has always had that pattern. So if this is really only the last seven eight months... Um, I'm going to be advocate for your pet and say we need to look at your dog and see what's going on because a small dog commonly can have problems with dental disease. Um, we can have other digestive problems that can cause issues as well that might be affecting our appetite. So uh, my first word of order would be get your baby evaluated by a veterinarian, have a good dental exam, and see about if we need to do some lab work to check to make sure our organs are functioning normal. Um, I could do that, yeah. If all of that looks good and we're going back to diet and what do we feed, you know, this, you know, raw dehydrated food that you're talking about, you know, there's a lot of speculation and, I, and I'm, I'm not, I'll be very clear. I'm not an advocate of raw diet. I don't care for it. Um, it is well founded and well established that nutritionists will tell you that, um, even the highest quality meat products have bacteria in our grocery store. So if you grab some food, you grab an organ meat, you grab chicken, you grab beef, there is the possibility there's bacteria there. It is just the way it is because all animals give off um, the different organisms, E. coli. And I, would, I would never do that. It's I like, know what you're saying, but I would never do that. No, huh? Correct. I would go so, with what's but recommended, what you're, you know. 
the food you're asking me about is basically a raw diet. So my, my advice with raw diets is a little bit kind of more hard-nosed. <laughs> if it's not passed in AAFCO feeding trial, I wouldn't consider it. Um, now, there are foods that will have met the guidelines for AAFCO, and that's not enough for me. I want to see that they fed this food to dogs and it didn't create illness or malnutrition. So that would be one thing if you're looking at that diet. I can't speculate on, on that specific brand and how good or bad it is. But the other thing that at raw diets, um, you know, even if it's the fresh raw, frozen or dehydrated is, um, you know, there are advocates that say we want to feed the, the rawest ingredients without it being cooked or preserved in any way. And certainly you do have potentially more risk of um, bacterial contamination. But if you're using a raw diet in a preserved state, then you, there are some things that can be done to make it more safe um, so that there's less likely dangerous bacteria in there. So um, if you look at your food and find out if it has been what they call HPP, it's high pressure pasteurization. So um, it, it's a way that they can help to kill um, some of these different organisms without putting it through a cooking process. It's more of a pressure treatment okay, that they do. Okay, do that. So do that. look at that food and, and maybe just ask those questions to the manufacturer. But I would say for you, I would definitely want your baby to get a good exam and then start from there is kind of what we need to do, feed for the health condition. Sometimes it is canned food. Sometimes it is a home-cooked diet with um, appropriate nutrition. But, I, you know, yeah. I'll be honest, it's a little hard for me to tell you, you know, what food you should be feeding for that situation. There's more to the story here. Well, I'm sure there is, and I've tried so many different things. That's the reason I was prompted to call you guys. And, and also I wanted to find out if this Dr. Mandy was uh, a baloney or not, you know. But anyway, <laughs> I, I, I bought a bag, and I tried it, and she, she dove into it the first time. But I'll have to admit, I didn't give her hardly any treats that day, so she dove into it and really, really enjoyed it. The next day, poo-poo, forget it. <laughs> Turn her nose on it, you know. Oh, but you know, well, I give her, that baby I give a good her, uh, hug for me, and I hope she I hope she figures out what she likes to eat and what she doesn't like. And you know, this is where if our pets could tell us what's going on, if she could say, "Hey, I have a toothache," um, I think most pet owners would raise their hand up and say, "I will get you to the doctor right away." It's just that we interpret the law lack of appetite as it's the wrong food when it actually can be a medical problem. So um, my fingers are crossed that nothing's wrong, but you know, I, I know you're gonna follow through and let us know if anything comes up his chihuahua sounds about as finicky as i am <laughs> oh as you are i thought you were going to say ladybug oh no no <laughs> ladybug's even more finicky than me no oh, she's gotten better toll free 1-866-405-8405 this portion of animal radio is underwritten by kensington books inspired by true stories of cats who've been caught stealing from humans <laughs> the Secret Life of Mac by Melinda Metz is a hilarious, heartwarming novel about an adorable klepto kitty with a passion for thievery and a sideline in helping humans in his life find the love they deserve. The Secret Life of Mac by Melinda Metz is available everywhere books are sold, and you can learn more at kensingtonbooks.com. Thanks, Kensington, for underwriting Animal Radio. Hi, it's Alan Cable. Here's a dog tip for you. You're at a dog park. You don't like letting your dog off the leash. You're not certain if your dog will obey you when you call him. But what the heck? You feel bad. You want him to run free. So you let him go. Everything's going great till this one dog shows up and your dog takes off. You try calling him, but he pays no attention to you. Now think about it. What's your next step? Is it frustration? Yelling? Do you walk towards the dog mad? Body all tense? Already knowing as soon as you get close, he's going to run away? The only thing you can think of is you got to get him by that collar. Okay, let's stop and look at this. Your dog's not 
not listening. He doesn't respect you. Dogs respond when you're secure and confident, calm, when you act like a pack leader. Now, providing your dog already understands what it means when you say come, if you can approach him calmly and put him in the submissive position below you, give him a correction right then and there, bad dog, put him on a leash, great. But if you can't catch him, (laughs) well, the odds are you're going to be frustrated. You got to fight that. Now, you probably shouldn't have let your dog off the leash because you knew to begin with he wouldn't listen to you. He wouldn't come when you called, but you did. So the point is, what do you do? What's your response? Turn the opposite way and start walking. Now, some dogs are not going to pay any attention and not care that you're gone. But most dogs are going to notice because you're walking away from them, the pack. You're giving them no attention, nothing. So what do you do when your dog does approach? Reprimand them for not listening the first time? Heck no. Every time your dog comes to you without being called and is close to you, praise him. Good boy. Because if you reprimand him when he comes to you, he's never going to want to come to you. He's going to associate it with unpleasantness. Well, every time I go over there, I get yelled at. Instead of every time I'm near that other dog, well, I get some attention. You correct them when they're doing what you don't want. You praise them when they're doing what you do want. And when they're calm, just laying there, that's when you give them attention. When they're jumping around like freaks before a walk or when you just come home, pay no attention to them. Till they mellow out, you can even say that, mellow out. When he gives you that, you praise him. Teaching your dog to be mellow and calm, that's the way to go. That's when you give attention. Nature at its best is nature at its simplest. At Red Barn, we've kept it simple for 20 years by concentrating on single-ingredient natural dog treats. Because Mother Nature's actually pretty good at this. Bones are just tasty bones. Meat treats are just nourishing meat. It's nature at its simplest. Look at the label. We want you to. Red Barn Natural Treats. Simply the best. Find it in your local pet specialty store. Try our slow-roasted, natural, meaty bones. Holy education! Hi, this is Burt Ward, Robin from the TV series Batman. You've got to keep listening to Animal Radio. Wowie zowie, they've got the best information. It's so entertaining. To the Batmobile citizens! Live at the Red Barn Studios, you're listening to Animal Radio. Here's Hal and Judy. Oh, you should see us now. Good thing this isn't television. All of our animals are cuddled up in our laps. We've got hair all over. There's uh, fur flying in the studio right now. Ladybug, the studio stunt dog. She seems to be shedding a little bit. Just um, a, yeah. This time of year? Look around you. See who has an animal among you, wherever you are right now. Chances are one in three, which seems kind of low, has an animal, a pet at home. Uh, there's more and more of us. However, there seems to be a, uh, maybe say a little argument on how many animals are in the United States argument yes there is you see the, i just say there's just not enough there well that's the that's the right answer okay thank thank you they should have asked you yes they should have the american pet products association says 68 percent of us households have an animal and that 90 million dogs and 94 million cats exist in the united states however the american veterinary medical association says only 50 percent of households have a pet and that there are 77 million dogs and 58 million cats. So who's right? Does it matter? No, it doesn't matter. The one thing that we can tell from these statistics mm-hmm. is that it's stabilizing. 
is not increasing. It's not really? decreasing. It's not increasing. It's becoming stable. Oh, I thought it would be increasing. You would think so. With all the millennials, instead yes. of having a uh, two-legged children, having four-legged children. Right. Let's file. Can we file this away? Just go ahead and file it. I like that file. The file's does, getting full. It is getting full. <laughs> it doesn't matter to us how many animals you have, just that you love your animals. And if you have a question for Dr. Debbie or for Joey Volani, our dog father, he's really good with the grooming of animals. In fact, he does my hair. Nobody mentioned my haircut over the weekend. <laughs> it looks very good. It does. Yes. Joey Volani special right there. And awesome. He, he only did, he, tra- did he clean the clippers after that dog before? Yeah. <laughs> and more importantly, did he clean them after Hal? Oh, probably so. <laughs> and I got my anal glands done, too. It was all a one, <laughs> one step. Anyway, so if you want to talk to Dr. Debbie right now, let's uh, tee up the phone lines. Lori, what are you working on for news in 10 minutes? Well, there's a, an interesting new study, and we've kind of been talking about it here around the studio all day today, about how much is enough exercise for your dog. So you know if your dog's getting enough exercise or not. But more importantly is is you, the pet parent, what are your excuses for not giving your dog enough exercise? And we'll tell you how much you might be like some other people who aren't exercising their pets enough. Hi, Terry. How are you? Good. How are you doing? Very good. Where are you? I'm driving through Nashville. Nashville. Well, say hi. <laughs> hi. Okay. There you go. How Should probably be a howdy. I'm, I'm from Dallas, though. <laughs> how, how can we help you out today? Well, I've got a male cat. I got at the shelter about six years ago, and uh, he's been in the house the whole time. He doesn't go outside, and I was thinking about getting another kitten. And mm-hmm. wasn't sure how that would go. Has he been a soul, yeah. soul cat all this time? Yes. So you're thinking of getting another kitten or a cat or one or more yeah. than just a, just another kitten. I was so I was they go to the shelter to get another one, but mm-hmm. I w- wasn't sure how how he would react or what would be the best way to go about doing that. Okay. Um, well, the the biggest thing that I'd say is we're going to go young. Uh, the best way to acclimate a new cat into the home is really to get um, a younger one, one that um, we can kind of ask them to take your other kitty as um, big brother um, so that he'll fit into the, the kitty household. So um, I'd say look for maybe a kitten or just a, a young um, adult cat, and um, that would be your best bet. Um, for male cats, I... I have had two male cats of my own. Um, uh, many people believe that to get a male and a female, that you'll get a better combination, a little happier household. But I think a lot of it goes down to the individual personality of the cat. Um, and uh, depending on what your kitty's personality is like now, um, sometimes finding a, a friend to frolic with um, just brings out all that uh, energy, and they can really thrive and really enjoy having a good companion. So I'd go young cat or kitten and perhaps maybe look at a female if uh, if you're looking for to get a, a boy girl situation there well i've always liked male cats better for some reason they always seem to be i don't know easy going he's just a he's just a big old baby and uh-huh. uh you know that's what i wanted to do i, I went to the shelter about every day for a couple of weeks looking for kittens and I, I think i'd much rather have a kitten and a uh, male well, kitten I'd consider a female, you know. 
Yeah, and I've had I've had two male cats, and so I'm I'm kind of with you. Um, you know, I just I love the dynamics. They were such good boys, and I I've really enjoyed that. But yeah, I'd say you know look for the younger one and uh, introduce slowly. Um, we don't want to kind of overwhelm either cat, so you know start the young one off gradually, and um, I would make sure that you know your your cat stays top cat, and you respect that. So when you introduce the new one, um, you know we're going to restrict her environment or his his or her environment environment and kind of gradually work up that introduction so that hopefully we won't ruffle any fur for your current right. kitty friend. <laughs> so yeah, so great. make it a, ni- a nice, slow, gradual kitty transition. And, and thank you for considering adoption. So many people can save a life by adopting a cat, young, old, whatever. So yes, I encourage you, Terry, let's get your kitty a friend. This is Dr. Debbie with Animal Radio, one 405 8405 You're listening to Animal Radio. Phones are open at 1-866-405-8405. I'm Beth Stern on Animal Radio and adopt from your local shelter. People say less is more. At Red Barn, we think less is better. It's what you won't find that sets our natural premium pet food apart. No byproducts, no corn or soy, no fillers. Just the natural ingredients your pets need to live the healthy life they deserve. Look at the label. We want you to. Red Barn Naturals Pet Food. Simply the best. Find it in your local pet specialty store. Red Barn canned food for cats and dogs is grain and gluten-free. This is an Animal Radio News Update. I'm Lori Brooks. So you have a dog and you know it needs exercise, but is it getting enough exercise? Probably not, according to the UK's Kennel Club, which says the average adult dog needs at least 30 minutes of exercise each and every day to stay fit and healthy. But there's this new study out by the dog food company Fourth Glade, and it reveals that less than half of dog owners walk their dog on a daily basis, with the average weekday walk being less than 20 minutes. 20% of those surveyed, by the way, said that's because their dog doesn't like the rain. I get that. I have bulldogs. It's the same thing. It's hard enough to get them to go potty in the rain, let alone a walk. But uh, generally, the reasons for not walking the dog or not walking him long enough were owners who said they were too tired after work. They just didn't have enough time or they, too, wanted to stay warm and dry inside. The research also found that dog owners admitted that the main reasons related to time, or a lack of it, were that they squeeze in their dog walks around their busy life by taking a quick walk around the block when they get home from work because they're pretty tired and they'd prefer to just watch TV. Some pet owners blame their dogs too, saying that when it's wet or muddy outside, their dogs don't want to go out for a walk. So it's kind of uh, not much of a wonder then that uh, a third of the dog owners surveyed confessed that their dogs are overweight. But it's not just about walking. I mean, you could take the dog into a backyard or somewhere and and throw a Frisbee or a ball, right? Absolutely. And I would have to say, I think less than half of the pet-owning population, dog population, actually does a consistent daily walk. I would say that number's got to be much lower in the U.S. Mm -hmm. Because at least, you know, I live in an area where it's beautiful most of the time, hot some of the time, and cold 
on some standards part of the time. But there are excuses that I hear all the time. It's too cold out. It's too hot out. Um, you know, it's, it's too sunny out. Um, so I really feel that people make a lot of excuses. You need to get your dog out walking. It's good for them. It's good for your brain. And you won't be so tired when you get home from work if you get yourself off yeah, that couch the, and moving. The people that are making excuses, are they a little bit overweight? Yeah, I, not always. I mean, but I know what you're getting at, that sometimes, you know, sedentary pet owners tend to have more obese pets. Um, and, and we know that obesity is, you know, they underrepresent a third of what they think is overweight in the pet owning population. We know it's higher, more like probably 75% of pets are overweight or obese. Um, so that's a totally different uh, reality, I think. Well, if you if you look at the weather, I mean, in, in our backyard, I have, you know, there's lots of trees, but you, you kind of plan their exercise around the, the what time of day it is. So if you have shade here or not there, so you can throw a ball and you can stand in the shade and, you know, it's not too hot for them. It, it all, you know, I think it works out if you really want to do it. Yep. Well, Procter & Gamble has uh, joined with the Humane Society International's Be Cruelty Free campaign. This was huge. It will ban animal testing for cosmetics in all major global beauty markets by 2023. P&G says it has already invested over $420 million over the past 40 years, who knew, in developing non-animal testing methods. And its researchers, according to the company, have already helped design at least 25 cruelty-free methods that have now replaced animal testing for cosmetic products. And Harrison Ford, we hear, will be joining the cast of The Secret Life of Pets 2. He will do the voice of Rooster, which if you don't know the series, Rooster is a dog in the movie. The sequel cast does feature several returnees from the first film, including Kevin Hart's Snowball and Dana Carvey, who voices Pops. The Secret Life of Pets 2 is scheduled for release in theaters. It'll be this June, on June the 7th, if you want to get your tickets now. And in fact, we hear it's one of many animal-focused movies that you'll want to keep your eye out for this year. I'm Lori Brooks. Get more breaking animal news anytime at AnimalRadio.com. This has been an Animal Radio News Update. Get more at AnimalRadio.com. Hi, this is Paul Reiser, and you're listening to Animal Radio. Every minute you're here, you're not harming someone else. <laughs> Live at the Red Barn Studios, you're listening to Animal Radio. Here's Hal and Judy. It's Animal Radio. Celebrating the connection with our pets. We'll go back to the phones for calls for Dr. Debbie and Joey Volani in just a couple of minutes. But first, I want to visit with Tabitha Bell, 18-year-old Tabitha Bell. How are you doing? Hi, how are you? Very good. I wanted to tell listeners a little bit about you, give, give them a little bit of background about you. When you were 12, you got a service dog. What yes. Was, what was that service dog for? Um, so he was to help me walk because um, my surgeon, my orthopedic surgeon had told me that I would be in a wheelchair by the time I was in high school. And around the time that I was 12, I was barely walking as it is, but I didn't want to be in a wheelchair. And because I lived down in San Diego at the time, we were right near like Camp Pendleton. They had been starting to use balance and brace dogs for a lot of the returning veterans who had become like partially paralyzed and um, other disabilities like that. And we decided like 
why not? Like, I ride horses. I've been around dogs my whole life. We were like, I know how to connect with an animal and get them to do what I need them to do. And so we decided that it might be a good option for me. And so that's when I got Sunny, who was a two-year-old German Shepherd at the time. So Sunny helps you with your balance? Yes, he's a balance and brace dog. How, how does that work? I've never seen one before. So they wear a harness on their back. It looks almost kind of like the harness that like guide dogs, like the dogs who help the blind, um, where it's just the handle is a little bit shorter to give you more stability on the back, on, on the dog's back. But they're not really like a cane where you like balance on them and like press down on them. They're more of like a counterbalance. So it's like if I like go to fall one way, they can like kind of pull me back the other way. Last year, you won the Gloria Barron Prize for Young Heroes. What did you win that for? Um, so I won that for my nonprofit that I started when I was 13. Really? And what does the um, nonprofit do? So it's called Positive Possibilities. So it's like P-A-W-S. It's kind of like a play on words. Huh. And we raise money to help pay for service dogs for people who can't afford them because when I first brought my service dog into the orthopedic surgeon who told me that I would be in a wheelchair by high school and he wanted to see like, oh, well, like, is this dog going to be like more helpful than like arm crutches? And I was like, well, I don't know. Like you have to see for yourself. And when I walked down a hallway barefoot, which I could never have done before, especially without the help of my mom, my surgeon was like, oh, my goodness, I need, like, 20 more of these dogs. <laughs> but service dogs run about ten dollars to $20,000, depending on who you go through. But that's kind of the average range. And most people who need a service dog have a lot of other medical bills that they have to pay. Yeah. And, um, obviously, insurance will not cover a service dog, even though they're a medical device. Yet. Wow. Yet. Yeah. Yes. Yet. Um, and so we decided that we should start something to help other people. And when we first started Positive Possibilities, our plan was maybe to pay for one service dog throughout our high school career. And to date, we've raised over $150,000. Wow. And played Holy cow. around like nine or ten dogs. Wow. How do you decide who gets the service dog? So usually people come to me, or like find me through Facebook, through even just like interviews like this, like they'll hear about us and um, or physical therapy places or doctors or whatever. Um, and so they come to us and we talk to them about what a service dog is and how, like what they would need it for. And kind of, I do like, the almost kind of like the scaring them out of it because it is a lot of responsibility for um, taking care of a service dog and using one because, I mean, six months into the process with my first service dog, I was about to give up. I was like, I can't do this anymore. This is not going. Like, he was tripping me all the time. Like, I was falling down. It was just, it was crazy. But it's just, that's because it's too personalities trying to work together and 
it's got you're going to have your rough patches and but if you're not willing to take on take it on you need to know now basically so then if i kind of feel like okay well like you clearly seem like you want to take this responsibility on i will get in contact with the trainers we use and the trainer kind of makes the final decision because the trainer will know exactly like the personalities what works best and figure out like what they need and I mean we've only had one family that really a service dog didn't work out for them and that was just because other things got in the way of their life. Tabitha we're gonna have to take a quick break. We are with Tabitha Bell. She is for Positive Possibilities and we're gonna find out how these dogs are trained. Stick around. Check out Animal Radio Highlights. All the good stuff without the blah blah blah. Browse on over to animalradio.pet. Something Worth Saving by Sandy Ward is a touching and funny exploration of family life as told by a highly perceptive and outspoken narrator named Lily, who happens to be a cat. Lily is a fiercely loyal friend to her human. So when things start happening in her family, she's ready to step up and prove that she may be tiny, but she's also mighty. Something Worth Saving will make you a believer in the deep connection between humans and their furry friends. Pick up a copy of Something Worth Saving today everywhere books are sold and visit sandywardbooks.com for more info. Here is today's top automotive news story. I'm Nick Miles. Subaru showed off the brand new Legacy at the Chicago International Auto Show. One of the safest sedans in the market. It's built in Lafayette, Indiana. It has the distinct Subaru symmetrical all-wheel drive system but now for 2019 gets a turbo. On the inside, 11.6 inch touchscreen with Apple CarPlay and Android Auto along with Wi-Fi and the vehicle knows when you're drowsy. If your eyes wander off the road, the vehicle might warn you you're not fit to drive. To see the new Subaru Legacy, go to our auto Our auto expert is brought to you by O'Reilly Auto Parts. Think O'Reilly Auto Parts for all your car care needs. Get guaranteed low prices and excellent customer service at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices every day. It is Animal Radio. We are with Tabitha Bell. She she has muscular dystrophy, and she was told that she would have to have a wheelchair by the time she got to high school. Instead, she got a service dog. And it has helped her so much that she is helping others get service dogs. I understand that you're working right now to get a six-year-old diabetic girl age service dog. Yes, and she's finally met her dog named Curly. And so he's being trained out of, I think, the Diabetic Dogs of America or for America. What does a diabetic service dog do? Okay, so they're trained to sense when you are either, like, having your low blood sugar or your high blood sugar. And it's actually pretty easy to train the dogs because when you are going low or high, um, you let off a pheromone. And so to train the dog, you give the trainer the clothes that you were wearing when you had one of those episodes. And then they, like, start putting, like, the scent on things. So, like, with the other diabetic alert dog we did, the trainer would basically, like, that's the only way the dog could get his, like, dinner was if he was able to figure out the smell. So, like, they would put out, like, three bowls, and the bowl that, like, would have the scent would open to his dog food. Oh, that's cool. And, I mean, they're extremely smart. So it's not like they can only be taught to only 
sniff out like a high or a low because like this little six-year-old she her blood sugar is very erratic so it goes up and down at very extreme levels and just all over the place and that's the reason why her parents wanted a service dog for her because I guess the monitor she had like it worked off wi-fi and so it I mean, you know, like software and technology yep. is sometimes, yep. <laughs> sometimes a little like unpredictable. And so sure. they want to be able to be notified when she was having that. And she was literally like sleeping in their bed because that's the only way they could keep an eye on her. Um, yeah. So they're hoping that this would be more beneficial. And when that happens and the dog is trained to like, press a button that calls for 911 or press a button to like call the parents or just bark. Um, there's a lot of different things the dog can be trained to do on how to alert. Actually, my first service dog, Sonny, his sister was a diabetic alert dog for a young woman who was going to college. And so the dog was trained to press a button that called the RA. So. Mm, wow. That's an incredible story. Give out your website so listeners can come by and visit. Yes, it's positive, P-A-W-S-I-T-I-V-E, possibilities, P-A-W-S-I-B-I-L-I-T-I-E-S dot org. And we'll put links to everything that you've heard on today's show over at AnimalRadio.pet. Tabitha, thank you so much. You're an incredible young lady. We salute you here, all of us here at Animal Radio. I know you have a second service dog now, Knox. Yes. Go give Knox a big old hug from all of us, will you? I will, definitely. (laughs) Thank you for spending time with us today. Thank you. Bye now. Bye. And let's take a call for Joey Villani. We have BJ on the phone. Hey, BJ. Hey, Hal, Joey. What's going on? BJ. Well, I love you on Dogs 101. I love it. I just watch you because it's so cool. Thank you. Um, I have a Boston terrorist, and he gets dirty ears between his bathings, and so I went and bought some real high-toned ear wash, but I don't want to take, I want to deep clean his ears, but how do I do that? Because my groomer says that his ears are dirty. Well, there's a couple of ways you could do it. Um, Let me ask you, what kind of ear cleanser do you have? Do you know the name by any chance? Royal treatment. Okay, okay. Um, it's one that I that I um, haven't heard of. Um, if I see it um, and read the ingredients, um, possibly, because you want to be careful. A lot of these ear cleaners uh, are, you should just use on on a cotton swab and wipe out the ear. But if you go to your veterinarian, you can get something called Odie Cleanse, which works real good. Now let's just say that you can't get to your veterinarian and and you just want to do something in between. What you could do is get yourself a container of witch hazel. They usually come in like 16 ounces, I believe, the one that you just you get in a, in a regular drugstore. Okay. Some tea tree oil. And, that, and when I say tea tree oil, it's essential oil. You don't want to get a blend of anything. Tea tree oil, what do, what do it do? It'll kill any fungus or bacteria. And you're going to put 20 drops of that tea tree oil right into that witch hazel. What you'll do is you'll take a dropper. And just put two to three drops in each ear, massage the base of the ear, okay, let him shake his head, wipe it out with a cotton swab, and that'll, that'll work wonderfully, actually. It's, um, it's something that I use in a, in a grooming salon all the time. And that, that should take care of your problems and um, keep the ears clean. Did they have an odor? 
No, no. Because I'm always okay, kissing so... him on the nose and snuggling him, so I've never smelled it. <laughs> and I know if it okay. smells, there's earmites. Well, it's not necessarily ear mites, but it could it could be a start of infection. So that's good that you don't smell anything. But you know what? This will keep his ears squeaky clean. So there you go. And best of luck with your dog. I, I, I Boston Terriers are one of my favorites. Aren't they so cute? Thank they really you. are. Well, it is time for us to get on out of here and go walk our animals, our flamingos. Well, I don't, I, whatever you have. If you have a Yorkshire Terrier or a Shih Tzu, a Pug or a Mini Schnauzer, go take them for a walk and then pick up Dr. Debbie's Kindle book, How to Be Your Dog's Best Friend. And we put links over at animalradio.pet. Of course, a great place to visit and download the Animal Radio app for iPhone, Android, and BlackBerry so you can get your fix whenever you need it, okay? We'll see you next week right here for more Animal Radio. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye-bye. Till next time, have a good one. This is Animal Radio Network. Network.